This episode of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. Cryptid Zoo is a t-shirt line uniquely infused with augmented reality and inspired by cryptozoology figures like Bigfoot. It is designed by artist and owner Julian Meyer, and check out the amazing unique shirt designs at cryptidzoo.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you will get 25% off your shirts. Again, that's www.cryptidzoo.com. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics Town Well, greetings, salutations, and hello. This is the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 77, covering New Comic Book Day, October 19th. And let me tell you, it's a Starbucks Nitro cold brew of jittery comic book fun. I'm your super nerd host, Chris Latore. Thank you so much for joining in on the good time. That is the Sunspots Comics Podcast, where I give you a list of amazing comic books to buy and read every single week. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics. A couple of quick thank yous, of course, to Nick Papa George for making our fantastic Sunspots Comics theme song. Please check out his Facebook page. He's a fantastic musician. Facebook.com slash Nicholas Dell Music. And thank you to my son Jables, Justin Latore, for making our blog on SunspotsComics.com. And you can check out his blog directly at blog.sunspotscomics.com. His latest was on the his review of the Netflix Luke Cage Season 1. So check it out, and thank you, Justin. Check out his Instagram at JustLAKings. And so let's get right into Sunspots Comics Podcast issue number 77 with some stuff just floating around in my nerd brain. That's right. First thing that's jumping right in there is the this weekend, Halloween weekend, is the Stan Lee's LA Comic Con. I missed the word Kamikaze Con, but whatever. But also, it is also the Halloween-free comic book day. So check that out. You can go to a local comic book shop and pick up, I think it's 25 comics this year that are absolutely free. Just go to freecomicbookday.com for details there. So I'm jazzed about that. I hope I can go to Stanley's LA Comic Con and somehow get to some local comic book shops at the same time. It's going to be a jam-packed weekend. I will be there. I'll be saying hello to Julian at Cryptid Zoo at his booth. So check it out and come by and say hello. I will be there with Justin the entire weekend. We're going to be covering some stuff, recording some things, maybe even moderate a panel. Who knows? We're kind of on standby for that. It'd be kind of cool. But LA is going to be jam-packed, just nerdfest of comic book goodness at the LA Comic Con. Stan Lee is going to be there. Very, very cool. Next thing is the Walking Dead season premiere just happened. We watched it yesterday. Holy mackerel. Uh, I don't want to spoil it just in case, but my goodness, some folks kicking the bucket on that show. <laughs> I tell you, it was it was heavy, it was dramatic, it was intense, but man, that's still in my brain. I, I dreamt heavily about it last night. Couldn't just, I couldn't get it out of my brain. It was heavy and intense, and I couldn't recommend that even more. I'm just, uh, it's just 
amazing to me every single week that I watch that show that it's it's based on a comic book that I love and they pay such such justice to it at the same time but then veer and do their own thing it's just a fantastic show and I definitely recommend The Walking Dead season 7 so go back and on a Netflix and watch I think all 1 through 5 is there maybe 1 through 6 and you can get all caught up but man The Walking Dead fantastic next thing on my nerd brain is the Wolverine 3 Old Man Logan trailer I'm not looking at it I'm going to see the movie anyway. <laughs> That's all I'm really going to say about it. I like to be at least somewhat surprised. I mean, movies are just moving imagery, right? Moving static imagery, and I don't like to go to a movie and say, Seen that? Seen that? Seen that? So, no. I'm not looking at it, but I hear good stuff. So, go ahead and check it out if you're into looking at trailers. I'm not. I try to stay away from it. Especially in the comic book world. Next thing on my nerd lobes is I actually bought... The comic book Private Eye in this oh, stunning hardcover collection. This is from writer uh, Brian K. Vaughn, BKV, and artist Marcos Martin. And let me tell you, this thing is just solid and it's a beautiful cover. It's got this amazing sturdy spine to it. I love the paper quality. It definitely has that shine ability on it, but it's not overly shiny. And it's presented in this beautiful widescreen format. I, it's only 33 bucks on Amazon. You get 300 pages. And I love that it was the story itself was originally serialized free online with Brian K. Vaughn with this disclaimer that he said, this is never going to print. Well, I bought it on print. <laughs> Sometimes you got to be humble, right? And give the people what they want. But I definitely recommend this lovely comic book. It's a interesting little glimpse in the cloud of data bursts. And now the world is sort of just trying to find its way in this sort of lower tech unplugged society. But it's up in the future and it's based on this private eye and he's kind of investigating this murder. And I love the his grandfather is like a, basically a millennial that's tattooed up but his grandfather's in his 80s now still trying to use his iPhone but it doesn't work and I just love the uniqueness of that character but it's a, it's a glimpse into a future that could be with the cloud blowing up but check that out that's Private Eye like I said it's on Amazon 33 bucks 300 pages completely worth it worth every single dime so I couldn't recommend that more check out Private Eye by Brian K. Vaughn and last thing on my nerd brain is I'm actually writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. Yes, that's right. And I am actually doing the writing, the coloring, the lettering. My friend Jordan Hudson's doing his beautiful art. Check out his Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art's beautiful. Thank you so much, Jordan. I also have the website zombiedestroyers.com where we've posted four pages of the first four pages of, of the comic book itself. So please check out zombiedestroyers.com from time to time. And just a quick Zombie Destroyers update. I recently received page, pages 13 and 14 from Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. They look fantastic. He does the penciling and the finished inking. It's gorgeous. And he's actually working on drawing pages 15 and 16. Um, implementing there is kind of a, a giant splash page. So very exciting. It's going to look gorgeous. And I'm doing the finishing touches on the writing on pages 17 through 19. So it's very cool that the end of issue number one is coming so quickly. I think it's... It's, I've, I've, I know I've moved the dial on this a few times, but somewhere between 25 and maybe 30 pages? Don't quote me on that. But I can't wait to show you and the world my comic book, Zombie Destroyers. I tell you, it's just a passion project. It's full of me and just a ton of love in it. And I, I know that everyone's going to enjoy it because I will. So, well, that's the hope anyway. <laughs> and next up is our segment, Spotlighting 
actually do have a submission this week and it's from comic book independent comic book creator Preston Poulter and this is fantastic his series is called White Lily and it's his first issue number one he self-published it and Preston Poulton uh, this series is a comic that showcases the real life story of two of the highest scoring female combat pilots in history so I always say comic books are for everyone so if you're into that kind of comic book that's actually a dramatization of of actual people this comic book is for you I mean female combat uh, fighter pilots very very cool and I guess there's also like a romantic love triangle in it so if you like that you like flyboy stories this is for you absolutely check it out and thank you so much for sending me a, a review copy there Preston Poulter uh, but you can go right to drivethroughcomics.com and search for White Lily L-A-L-Y and it's very good and it's a, a pay what you want please send some money his way he's a, he's a struggling comic book independent creator like myself and you know we can use the dough so Send uh, Preston a little a little do re mi. He would greatly appreciate it. But again, check it out at drivethroughcomics.com and search White Lily, and that'll pop right up. And it links to all of his social media and everything, so I won't plug it there. I'll, you can uh, see it there again. So that is our, our spotlighting sec uh, segment this week. And if you yourself or you know someone that's an independent comic book creator struggling out there to, to get yourself and your work known, uh, I want to help you. That's what this segment is all about, is just uh, spreading some Sunspots Comics love your way, shining a little light upon your work, and just send me an email or hit me up on social media, of course. My email is chris at sunspotscomics.com or, of course, uh, at sunspotscomics on all the social media. But I definitely like to do my part and help when I can and uh, shine some light upon these independent comic book creators like myself that are trying to make it out there. And so thanks again, Preston Poulter and his comic book, White Lily. Check it out. So let's right now jump into some comic book news. I got a few things uh, right, right just floating around that I thought was kind of interesting. My comic book news here on Sunspots Comics is usually a little bit different. It's just basically things that I find that are a little off the beaten path, a little unique, a little different. Because everyone reads about everything that's uh, popular in the comic book world. So I try to find stuff that's a little, a little not out there so much. I mean, you got to dig a little to find it. But the first thing is the State of the Union, State of the Comic Book Union address here with some information from Comicron.com. They are the leading website in giving you stats on how comic books are doing. And September was a humongous month for comic books. And the number one selling title in the United States, this doesn't include anything overseas, is from DC Comics, Batman. That's right. So that, and then number two was All-Star Batman. Number three was Batman again. You had two issues because of the bi-weekly release. So Batman is the number one, two, and three seller. Number one in the nation, and it doesn't even include what it is worldwide. So Batman is destroying it. And the numbers are insane. You have uh, issues sold 138,000, 137,000, 135,000. So it's, I, I think that's definitely a testament that the Batman readers are just buying all three of those titles, which I am. So it makes perfect sense. But fantastic job, fantastic month for paper comics in the month of September, record-breaking. The number one publisher in the month of September, DC with 43%. Marvel had 30%, and Image actually up on the rise, up 1.8% from last month at 8.8%. So those are your top three. And, of course, trickles down from there to IDW, Dark Horse, Boom, Titan, Valiant, and Oni. I won't break down the percentages, but that's just the the order and the and, and the percentage numbers that they rank currently. But good, good stuff, and just about all 200 and uh, 121 titles. I'm sorry that I collect 
are just about on all the top 300 here. Um, so comics doing fantastically well. Thank you, Comicron, for your data. We appreciate it. And next up is a comic book feel-good factoid freebie. Just one this week. And it comes from, actually, Twitter. And it comes from Terry Moore's Twitter page. You can follow Mr. Terry Moore, who I love as a creator, an artist, and writer, at Terry Moore Art. And the news is here that in 2018, he will be writing and bringing back his famous series, Strangers in Paradise. Now, that's collected in this giant two, uh, this, this omnibus where it's about 60 and 60. I think it's a total of 120 comic book issues combined. I read the whole thing, and it's a fantastic, beautiful, heart-wrenching, beautiful work of art in this relationship of basically two two women that are best friends. And, and, and they're in a big, spanning, epic, wide-sweeping story of the majority of their lives. There's even times where they where Terry jumps way forward in the future, and they're, they're old ladies in their 80s, and... It's just, he plays around a little bit with time in there and to sort of possible outcomes of their friendship and their relationship. And it's complex, it's a mess, it's relationship-based, but it's beautiful. He's going back to it in 2018. I'm super excited about that. And he actually has a brand new comic coming out in early November that I'm super excited about. And it's called Motor Girl. And it's, uh, he says this one's going to be more of a mini-series. And that's totally fine, because I'm sure he's going to be seriously busy with Strangers in Paradise, which also 2018 will mark the 25th anniversary of Strangers in Paradise. So it's reprinted multiple times. If you haven't seen it, go look at it. It's a beautiful piece of work. Strangers in Paradise he wrote from 93 to 2007, and it's fantastic. Cachu, David, Francine, their whole complex relationship, I, and, and the danger involved, and the mafia's in there, and... Uh, Organized crime, it's a its a crazy, complicated, artistic, beautiful, lovely mess. <laughs> so check that out. But I'm so excited about that. Thank you, Terry Moore, for going back and trying it again and giving Strangers in Paradise another go. And I'm so looking forward to Motor Girl. That's uh, its kind of like this, from what I got, from what I got the taste of it, this post-apocalyptic world where this woman that rides a motorcycle and her best friend's this kind of gorilla, talking gorilla. So that's about all I was able to see a glimpse of so far, but I'm super excited about that. So fantastic. Check out his Twitter for all of his updates. Again, at Terry Moore Art. So cannot wait. That is going to be fun. I am all in 2018. Woo-hoo. So uh, that's all the news. Fun st- oh, wait, there's one last thing. That's right. In in passing, we lost a comic book icon. Sad to see that. And this just came out like uh, just five hours ago or so that Steve Dillon, the comic book artist that helped create Preacher and did the primary art for the story Preacher, passed away at the age of 54, just too young. Uh, Preacher is uh, his 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 opus of work. It's his it's creme de la creme. It's his top of the mountain right there. And uh, that ran for 66 issues, which ended in 2000. Story of Jesse Custer. They made the TV AMC TV show uh, brought to you by Seth Rogen of all of his movies. But um, sad to see him go, and, and my condolences to him and to his family, and his work will forever be there. He'll always be alive to us in our hearts for his work on his comic book Preacher. Please go check it out. I'm actually uh, reading it for the first time, and I'm about the third volume in, and I'm loving it. When I'm all finished and I've read the entire 66 issues, I'll do a, a retrospective on it and talk about it. But uh, sorry to hear that he passed, and Steve Dillon, you will be missed. You were a comic book icon and legend, and you'll live forever with Preacher. So thank you very much. Sad to hear that he passed. 
So that's all the comic book news. Thank you very much. Very pretty cool stuff. And so let's get into my favorite part of the Sunspots Comic Podcast, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations, where I pick my favorites for New Comic Book Day, October 19th. And of course, spoiler alert. But really, I mean, don't worry. I work seriously hard on just making sure I'm just persuading you to buy these comics. I stay away from the last couple of pages, so no worries there. But I do discuss the comic books in some detail, but just in case. Spoiler alert, but really, don't be worried. I don't give away too much. And to see everything that I'm reading from all my favorite picks since all the way back when the podcast started in May of 2015, just go to sunspotscomics.com, click on the pull list, you'll see everything there. I currently have 121 titles that I'm reading, and I usually average about 20 comics per week that I like to read and review and pick my favorites and recommend to you. I just updated sunspotscomics.com, so my pull list is updated, the site is simplified, and I'm really proud of it, so please check out sunspotscomics.com from time to time. And every single week, I pick a art winner and a, um, a art cover winner every single week, and this week, the winner was one and the same for art and cover was Mikkel Janin for Batman number nine from DC Comics. And it is beautiful and gorgeous, I tell you. I'm uh, I, I don't I'm not really familiar with Michael Jannon's work, but I'm going to be. His cover is iconic. It's Batman perched on the Arkham Asylum fence, and there's all these hands reaching out to him, and this purple background. It's gorgeous, and I like that Mikael Jannon really has a handle on on Batman's suit here. It's got that lightly colored purple in the inside, and the and the beautiful line. His line art is ridiculous. It's very minimal, very clean, but the musculature that he draws is is beautiful and accurate, and his physics are just fantastic. Even the hands and feet, close-up on hands and feet, are fantastic. The eye work, the eye lines, totally emote the emotion. He does a great job there. I mean, it's it's beautiful. And the color palette, you got to give props to his uh, June Chung, his colorist. She's all over the map on this. There's a wide range of color palette here, and it's just beautiful. And the shadowing, the the respect to light here, which you don't get all that often. I mean, sometimes as you do, when you do, to me, it really stands out. And there is a great respect to light source here that really just makes everything look realistic. All the shading seems properly and properly laid out and you got to give uh, all of the paneling that he does. Some really unique layouts of paneling. And there's a two-page splash in this that I love it so much that I've it's my actual wallpaper at work on my dual monitors at work. And that says a lot. Not much makes it to the wallpaper at work, folks. <laughs> so I mean that it's seriously beautiful art. So check out Batman number 9 and Michael Jannon's uh, art. It's Mikael Jannon. It's gorgeous, beautiful, and easily the art winner and cover winner this week. And also the breakdown, I bought 19 comics this week, and 10 of them made it to the favorite pick list, which is over that 50%, which I'm, I don't review the great, the goods, I only review the greats, so I always want at least 50%, um, at least, so that my money feels at least well spent, to be in the great category to where I actually review them, and they were 10, and they were easy to pick out of the 19. It was like one of those weeks where it was just easily, easy to separate the two, and the others were good, but... These 10 I'm about to re review were fantastic and great. So, easy buys. And there were two. I like to always highlight the number ones. There were actually two new number ones this week. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye and infamous Iron Man. Both made it to the top picks this week. So, good job, new number ones. And they've been added to my pull list as well. So, I'll get into those reviews in just a second. 
But here we go. So let's get into my favorite comic book picks of the week for New Comic Book Day, October 19th. So here we are. Coming in at number 10 is Black Hammer, number 4. This is from Dark Horse Comics. This is the writing by Jeff Lemire, which he is just knocking out of the park here. And art by Dean Ormston. And Dean Ormston's like respect to the golden age of comics is really what the heart of this comic is. It really has this nostalgic look to the early, early days of comics. And Jeff Lemire, it's like his love letter to the early years of comics, the golden age. And they do it in such a respectful and beautiful way here. It's top-notch work. It's been top pick of the week um, in the past. Just go to sunspotscomics.com, check it out. But this starts out like the origin story of Captain America. So first, I was kind of a little concerned. I'm like, there are a bunch of uh, heroes in this that are trapped in this Midwestern town. And they are all kind of an homage to other DC and Marvel characters. Well, this Abraham Slam origin is very much like Captain America's at first. But then it quickly separates it, which uh, is in, which is in, they introduce... A character named Punch Sockingham. I love all the names in this, like, like Abe, like the uh, the all the main characters. They all have crazy kind of wacky names. There's uh, Abraham Slam. There's Barbalian. There's Golden Gale. There's Madame Dragonfly. Colonel Weird. So it's definitely that homage to the Golden Age. So I love that. But you get introduced to Punch Sockingham here, who was the inspiration, the muse to Abraham Slam, and takes him in because he's this kind of pipsqueak. And brings him into his his gym, his boxing gym that he has, and and teaches him and trains him. And then we lose Mr. Punch Sockingham pretty early. And so it's very clearly written that he is that inspiration for Abraham Slam to become a superhero and don the cape and outfit. Actually, doesn't wear a cape, but you know what I'm saying. Don the superhero outfit, the tights, and go and help uh, fight crime and save the world one day at a time. But the core of this comic is mainly centered around this mega awkward dinner that involves Abraham Slam bringing home his girlfriend to this house of Motley Crew heroes that are all trapped in this Midwest town. And they all have to sort of hide their unique look so that they, they, they are much more ordinary so that the girlfriend thinks they're all just part of this kind of weird... Uh, very solitary family that kind of doesn't mix very often with this little town. So there's a lot of rumors and speculation around them. When in reality, they're superheroes hiding out and are trapped, ultimately, in this weird Midwestern town. It's just something out of the Twilight Zone. But the awkwardness in this dinner is, oh, it's it's palpable. It's intense. It's insane. Golden Gale is this character that is a older woman trapped in a young girl's body, like an elementary school girl's body and she's just hating this and she can't contain it and she is disgusted by everything she goes into this changes her outfit into like a very sort of goth uh, look and is just mouthing off to them at the table and it's it's a little bit it's just embarrassing and it's it's portrayed in such a realistic way that it's the absolute highlight for me (laughs) awkward moments are hilarious i'm a big fan of the tv show the office so it just has that all about it. It's funny, but yet messed up. And Golden Gale is just kind of just flying off the handle and and really no holds barred, not not holding anything back and just speaking like it is. And it's just kind of messed up in that he's reprimanding her as a little girl because that's the way she's supposed to be perceived with the girlfriend, Abraham Slam's girlfriend. 
So that's this messed up, complicated thing, but it's it's great to look at. Check out Black Hammer. You won't be dis- disappointed. It's only on number four, so jump in there. But coming in at number nine is I Hate Fairyland uh, by Image Comics. This is uh, all ev- everything done here by Scotty Young except the coloring, uh, Jean-Francois Bellieu. And this is the messed up tale about Gertrude, who again is a older woman trapped in a younger woman's body, which ultimately the message is this week in comics messes with your head. And that's what happens to Gertrude here. This is a hilarious take about, honestly, about Scotty Young's hatred of Fairyland. (laughs) And he's found a way that Gertrude's trapped here. She's just trying to get out of Fairyland. Everywhere she goes, she has either a sword or a large gun and she blows people away. She swears in a hilarious way, like, go fluff yourself, you mother fluffer. And it's it's so beautifully comedically timed. I have to give Scotty Young props for that. And this is where you Scotty Young gets to mess around with the time-space continuum. <laughs> and so he faces, he, he, he puts Gertrude in a situation to where she has to choose a right tunnel or left tunnel. And everything, the entire balance of Fairyland... Uh, is determined with her decision there. It either <laughs> there's this guard at the door that's like a I don't know like a little like a little a gnome of sort <laughs> that just has overly accentuated in- nipples here, like just drawn in way too much of a significant way, <laughs> and he just has a little hood on. But he's there saying like, if you choose the wrong tunnel, everyone will die and you'll pretty much destroy all of Fairyland. So no pressure, but you got a 50-50 chance. <laughs> And I just love that. And uh, and you get this jump forward in time where she chose wrong. And there's a giant uh, monster <laughs> character destroying all of Fairyland. And uh, the Gertrude now has this sort of ragtag group of, of friends that uh, I love their dialogue between these friends. One guy that's trapped in Fairyland here just looks like a, like a truck driver. He's got, you know, the, the truck driver cap on and he's just wearing like a... Like a rock and roll t-shirt, but he's got this giant, like, Zelda with sword. And their conversation is is hilarious, and there's a lot of fluff you and fluff this and back and forth. But uh, this little glimpse of how Gertrude looks in the future where she's lost an eye. She has a crazy scar on her forehead. She has a green mohawk. It's just a hilarious mess. She's got, I, I, I think, cybernetic parts. And and so they have they've decided they've got to send her back in time to make the choice again to go back to that right or left tunnel. And so it's just his little back to the future homage here, messing around with the space time continuum and this oddball team of misfits. It's just super fun. And I laugh out loud. I smile through the entire comic. And that says a lot. That's why you should buy I hate Fairyland because you'll just you'll smile and chuckle and laugh and enjoy yourself. It's so brightly colored. The art is very cartoony, but there's this smidge little little bit of uh, kind of nastiness there. But it it can almost be a sort of teen read and above. But by looking at it, it you would think initially it, it's totally okay for all ages. But it's not. It's definitely <laughs> made for adults that maybe just want to see Fairyland blow up. Yeah, that's for you. <laughs> well, coming in at number eight is Infamous Iron Man from Marvel Comics, and this is beautifully drawn by an artist I love that did Daredevil for so long, Alex Maleev. And this is a new take for Alex. It's cleaner. It's not as rough. It's not as digitally rendered, and the lines are cleaned up. I love that. If you look at some of the older Maleev work, 
it's very sort of scratchy and very very much you can tell digitally rendered and this just seems a little more freehand and a little less lines and a little maybe quicker but just fantastic art style i love it and this is written by brian michael bendis who when brian michael bendis gets a hold of anything sort of fantastic for related in that family because this is centered around doom it uh, it just seems to be uh, it the franchise seems to be in the right hands so I, I you can already feel that and get a sense of it like this is a well put together comic and boom it's doom right off the bat i mean he's sitting around this this round table this kind of um you've got loki and you've got the red hood and you have you have uh namor and they're uh just kind of hanging out this um sort of illuminati group here and there's just some great dialogue here where doom just looks he's like he's pissed and red hood is a fan and is going to like just question him in a very fanboy kind of way and it's just every single word that's coming out of his mouth is like hey is it true that you like fought a demon to save your mom and he's just like the anger is swelling and the props to alex Maleev, the emotion in doom's face which you can only see his eyes is just is swelling and growing and it's like he's going to kill this guy but this is a little different doom it's a little kinder and gentler doom and this opening sequence even when you know he's going to kill this red hood parker robbins he actually just banishes him so you're like okay banished he would have just vaporized this guy in the past so he's this doom is coming straight off of the invincible iron man series so he is his face is healed and he doesn't wear his mask sometimes and he's trying to redeem himself quote unquote <laughs> We're not buying it, right? Or maybe we are, not sure. But there's a good amount of time spent here trying to convince us of that. So Doom even saves a shield agent here. And I like that his, I really like that his powers are sort of, they're redefining his powers. He seems to have a little bit more unique cosmic level powers. Um, you're not quite sure exactly what it is, but it seems to be redefined and a little different. And there's pink involved, lots and lots of pink. <laughs> But he saves the day here. He, he can also just kind of zip here and zip there and boom, he's, he's there and boom, he's gone. And uh, I like that. It's, it's different. It's definitely kind of reinventing Doom a little. And I'm surprised that he actually saves this Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, what is he really setting up here? There's a lot of questions. I like that. It's interesting. It's a unique story. And it's giving you just enough to want more and, and want to see what Doom actually does. And this conversation between Iron Man and Tony Stark is really, really good. Their dialogue here back and forth is seriously good. And what Doom decides is the reason to buy this comic. But it happens in the last three or four pages. All I'm going to tell you is what Doom decides is worth buying this comic for. Um, very interesting. Very different. Very unique. Kind of a twist. I'm on board with all of it. And like I said, Alex Maleev on art. Gorgeous, gorgeous. So grab infamous Iron Man number one. You won't be disappointed. Coming in at number seven from Marvel Comics as well, Doctor Strange number 13. And this is uh, your team of, which I love this art, by the way. Fantastic, beautiful art. You have your Jason Aaron on writing, who's done Southern Bastards and Star Wars. Those are the immediate two, but there's about mm, 13 or 14 others that he's doing. Fantastic art, uh, writer. Love Jason Aaron's work. Top-notch. Uh, multiple Eisner winner. Artist Chris Bacciolo. Bacciolo. And his art is very heavy cartoony style, but realistic at the same time. He blends that. I can't explain exactly how. But it is so perfectly suited for this Doctor Strange series. I hope he stays on this 
for as long as they'll keep him. I mean, he does work fast. He does work on time. This is a monthly issue. He's relatively done every single issue since number one of this relaunch. And it is gorgeous art. And this is this very kind of awkward sort of fantasy at the beginning. Even some sexual tone fantasy here for Doctor Strange. And it does go on a bit long. You're like, wow, maybe this isn't a fantasy. We're starting to question it. But it's the, the dream sort of slowly falls apart. I love that you're dropped right into this weird fantasy dream. And he builds it slowly with how the, the seams are sort of splitting for this dream and subtle ways that you go right from this this a little bit of a sexual fantasy for him and and you know, he's driving a Porsche he's got the ladies and turns quickly into this it just boils over into this full-blown nightmare <laughs> and I love that transition he Bachelo and Aaron really live in this in this dreamland for a while and I'm not a big fan of dream sequences and and tons of flashbacky stuff but this is just done right. It has this strange tone where kind of everything is perfect, like dreams really are. I think that's what really sells it for me. It, it kind of portrays dreams well. Seems like everything is beautiful, and then it starts to split at the seams, and you, and the guy delivering pizza has just a bunch of monsters in the pizza box, and there's a moment where his teeth are all missing, right? We've all gone through weird dreams where your teeth are missing. So it's just like this sort of accurate, weird, twisty fantasy dream, and you realize that you're introduced to the actual villain, Nightmare. He's there, and that's who is the uh, villain here. But they're building a kind of rogue gallery of villains for Doctor Strange in this. And that's all I really want to tell you, because there's more villains in this, and what happens towards the end is pretty interesting and introduces some things. And I tell you, gorgeous art, totally fits the mystical realm. Uh, of, of They've captured it so well, and yet he's, he's very powered down. He even has to sort of create new spells. So they're reinventing his powers here, and I love that. It's like just in time for the movie. I know it's coming very soon. And this is just actually fantastic work. I shouldn't even say actually. It's it's Eisner winning work here that he's doing with Doctor Strange. It's just, it pairs so well and couldn't time better with the movie coming out next month. Which I can't wait to see. I'm excited. And I have, I've actually avoided the trailers. I saw the one teaser trailer, and that's it. So I have no idea what I'm going into. Uh, very much of the imagery is not spoiled for me, so I can't wait. But coming in at number six from Marvel Comics as well, this is one of those number ones. This is Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye, number one. And this is the DC's Young Animal imprint. And I tell you, written by Gerard Way and Jonathan Rivera, this has been the best of the DC Young Animal imprint so far, written by and helmed by and ultimately the primary editor of Gerard Way, the... Uh, lead singer of the X-Band, My Chemical Romance, and his beautiful work on the the Spider-Man series that I love that he did, uh, the, the Spider-Mech uh, one-shot, and his fantastic, beautiful work on the like Umbrella Academy. Go look at that. It's gorgeous. This is written by Gerard Way and, and John Rivera. Cover art and primary art by Michael Avon Oming. And it's beautiful, quirky, uh, cartoony-style art. I love all the shadowing. It's very dark and twisted, and it's it's strange and weird, but makes sense. So that's my only sort of complaint with the the DC imprint, the Young Animal, is that it uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. It's weird with the other titles, which I won't go into. But this one is is definitely uh, it it makes sense, and it drops you into this very heavy moment of where Cave Carson's wife has passed away, which I think she passed from cancer. So it's like very real setting. 
very heavy. You don't know, I mean, I don't have very much background on who Cave Carson is, but you, you are forced to sort of have sympathy for him because he's, his wife has passed and his daughter uh, remains as well. And it's sort of this weird, awkward, sad, and you know, um, opening sequence to this. And it's, it's powerful and it, it definitely is moving. And so it, it sets this tone. And then he's also having sort of visions uh, through his cybernetic eye, which he really can't control. That's ultimately what's what what is happening here. I don't even know where he got his eye yet. He does walk by the metal men. They're just there chilling on the couch and he walks by the whole group of metal men. But I want to know more about this character. It's just enough to keep me interested. And it's it's weird and odd and strange, but like I said, tangible. And after this sequence here you're introduced to sort of his best friend i love this little sequence where he is it's dark he's brooding in, an, in a sort of lab by himself and reflecting upon his wife that passed and he's looking at this gift that he gave her which was the, one of those sort of um those pens where when you turn them ink pens when you turn them upside down the clothing of the person sort of falls off i remember these uh spending some time in las vegas where my where my parent my dad lived in las vegas for a long period of time like all of the little novelty shops and grocery stores and gas stations had those little gross pens where the woman's bikini would come off when you turn the pen upside down or the men's underpants would come off and he's and it so it just reminded me of that those days of living in las vegas and always seeing those pens everywhere i went well he's he had that gift from his wife like a gag funny gift and he's looking there and and reflecting upon their life and it's it's sad it's touching and you're like rooting for the guy now so i'm behind him and he's got he's you know single dad now with his daughter and there's some flashbacks as to how he was teaching her martial arts so it's very that father daughter moment that always gets me i'm always a sucker for 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 dad and kid moments and that got me here but there's a there's a weird battle with a strange sort of i don't know monster slash alien that that infiltrates his lab and uh, there's vomit involved, that's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> but the color palette here too is very rainbow colored. They definitely give it that weird kind of odd feel. But I like this. The guy's dealing with the passing of his wife. He's, his daughter, it's complex, it's messy. He's got this best friend that's sort of stepping up as another character, which I don't even know who he is yet. But I want to know more. I want to read more. I want to see what this is about. And the art style is very cool. It's a kind of a hip, uh, younger kind of art style in a cartoony way. There's some cool shadowy sequences done here with this weird vomit alien that he has to fight. But where did he get his cybernetic eye? What can it do? I still want to know. Interesting enough to hook me and want me to read more of this. So Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, number one. Add it to your pull list. It's good stuff. Grab the number one. It's beautiful. The, the cover is this multicolored cover that's sort of divided into four quadrants of Cave Carson standing there and a multitude of colors. There are five different covers and they're all beautiful, but the primary cover for me is the winner. It's just gorgeous, showing this sort of x-ray version of his brain and then and the neural network that's attached to it. It's just very, very cool looking and feeling and I'm all in. So Cave Carson, get it. And coming in at number five is a reoccurring champ here. From DC Comics, Superman number nine. And Superman number nine, I know, look at the past, the history of past picks. Superman has been up there. It's it's winning. And this is also like a sort of dedication to the to Darwin Cook, the amazing Darwin Cook that passed not too long ago. This is helmed by Peter Tomasi. He's been the head writer on this. Patrick Gleason is also 
uh, the sort of the primary artist, but also does the story. This one is actually drawn by D uh, Doug Mankey. And I love that everyone that's done the art on this, it's a bi-weekly release, folks, so come on. And the amount of detail and the beautiful, loving colors here could not be done by one artist. And I would normally maybe complain about that, but each artist they've got on to the Superman title has maintained the theme. It's been consistent. It's not jarringly odd or different. It all looks very beautiful, very polished. And this is Dinosaur Island Part 2. And they're trying to escape it. There was uh, Superboy, his son, Jonathan, that uh, in the science uh, contest at school, there he created some sort of weird orb, and the orb transferred them to, uh, to Dinosaur Island. There they are. There's just that's We have to just kind of go with that. Strange origin as it is. But it's ultimately this father and son story, which you know I'm a big sucker for, and at its heart, that's what it's about. But they run into a guy that's part of this group called The Losers, and it's definitely an homage to an older day of DC Comics. And this character immediately starts shooting at them. <laughs> He's like, hey, how you doing? Uh, Tommy Gun. <laughs> so you're like, okay, and I love how Superman protects Jonathan here with just his, his hands sort of spread in open fashion because he's not sure if Jonathan's powers are going to keep him bulletproof. So he has to protect him and he's like, hey, let's, uh, why are you shooting at us? We could have talked this out a little bit at first. <laughs> so he tells him there that his, he was the last of his group and he doesn't know how long he's been there and he's, he's just sort of in this wedge of time and so many years have passed and we've, he definitely feels like he's from World War II and his crew is gone and his leg is blown off. I love that Superman actually goes to a tree and just uses his heat vision to create a prosthetic leg for him. I mean, classy move. And I love that it seems like everything that Superman does is a lesson to Jonathan here. And uh, and Jonathan seems to always take it. Like He's just not this kind of continually angsty, fighting the system and, and back-talking his dad. It's just they, they love each other and it's warm and it's fun. And, and then, while everything is all in this warm and fuzzy moment, yeah, the dinosaurs and monsters arrive. And, and even just before that happens, there's this touching moment between Jonathan and Clark Superman that uh, shows a close-up on Jonathan's face as he's crying. And it's you go, huh, whoa, okay. It, you can feel it. Uh, beautiful art, as I said, Doug Mankey. Uh, the tears in Jonathan's eyes, and he's like, he wants to see his mother again. He's like, I hope we see our mom again. I don't ever want to... I don't never want to, you know, to go the rest of my life without seeing my mom. And it's that, that kind of heart-wrenching moment. So that's what grabbed me. It's just, it works. It feels right. And it's so beautifully colored. And the fight that goes on with, like, this albino gorilla and his group of, like, these flying pterodactyls. Oh, and yes, Mr. Uh, albino Gorilla has a crazy cybernetic eye. Well, there you go. It's like a dual theme here going on. But he doesn't know how he got it, and he's shooting lasers out of it. And then these just this horde of crazy monsters are all fighting, flying after them. And it's so much fun. It's action packed. It's just a good time there. I loved it every single page. It goes by so fast. It's not heavily dialogued, but it, it the core of it, like I said, is this father son action adventure story with Superman on this strange dinosaur island dimension. What more do you need? I mean, come on, that, that'll do it, right? <laughs> Get that immediately. Superman has been so much fun and fantastic and father-son heartwarming. Good, good stuff. So coming in at number four is from Marvel Comics, The Mighty Thor, number 12. And this is just, the art on this is fantastic. This is definitely, if there were a number two, 
will be my number two art winner of the week. But this is written by Jason Aaron. There was another one. Sorry, I missed him earlier. Southern Bastards and uh, and and Doctor Strange and Star Wars. This is uh, art by Russell Dowderman. He does the sort of present day stuff. And then there is this sort of cosmic level things that are happening here. And that's Fraser Irving. And they even have some color artwork done by Matthew Wilson. And you can tell this is a very finished, very polished, very beautiful comic book that sort of it's a one shot stands on its own. And the reason why you should buy and get this is because it is the origin of Mjolnir. It is the fantastical tale of how he is sentient. And I love that. Absolutely loved it. It's really just a bunch of hammer time <laughs> that Mjolnir takes Lady Thor on this like epic cosmic road trip across the cosmos to tell her his story or its story his her story who knows what Mjolnir technically is but his, it's sentient story and this issue firmly plants Mjolnir as the like definitive most powerful weapon of the gods in the Marvel universe and it's such a cool story like there is this this stone that the that the um I want to say like the the trolls, the the orcs, the whatever being they are that uh, the that they that for, that forge things. Maybe they're dwarfs. I'm not sure. But anyway, there's this realm where uh, they present uh, Odin this for 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 winning this war and saving the dwarves. They present Odin with this strange stone which they can't carve or do anything to. It's like this unbreakable stone and a beautiful cosmic glowing unbreakable stone and odin is not impressed by this gift he's like he's like what, what this this rock this shiny rock is what you give to odin for saving your people and he's just this all powerful and i love the way he's he's drawn here he has that he's very standoffish and not impressed by this gift and he's like this is what you give me a some stra scraggly rock and so he puts it away for now and then it sort of takes this cosmic epic leap and the art just changes and it's a it's a little jarring because it does have the initial art in present day switch off to this cosmic level and changes artists but it's so gorgeous and so beautifully done you get a glimpse into this dwarf war that Odin is is helping out and it's it is beautiful and like I said of, of cosmic proportions it's it's gorgeous so he messes around with time a little, jumping back into where that war happens, and Odin's doing his thing, and, and as a last-ditch effort, uh, he uses this unbreakable stone. And he what he does with the stone, I don't want to blow it for you, because that's that's part of the real hook here, and what he does with it, and how he forms it, and I know you kind of figured out where, where that stone is, is and where it's going, but I don't want to give you every single detail, because it's a ton of fun, and it is an epic cosmic road trip, and it's uh, a glimpse into the life of Odin, and it's it's telling this crazy, insane, epic, cosmic story of the origin of Mjolnir. So you need that in your comic collection for just that. I do believe it was sort of done in the past, but not to this level. It's definitely being retold and examined and explained a little further. Because I know there was, uh, deep into my, my mental archives here, uh, there was a origin of Mjolnir being sentient sometime in the past. And I want to say in the... In the 70s, but uh, who knows? But anyway, this was fantastic work, and it's just that origin story. You need it in your collection, and it is gorgeous, beautiful. Uh, I, I'm so happy to be reading this. It's on number 12, but it just every single month I look forward to seeing this, and when I see it, 
I, uh, I do actually read comics alphabetically, so I, I sometimes think, oh, I should just mess with my list, but I, to give everyone kind of a fair shake, I just read them alphabetically. That's my, there you go, there's a glimpse into my process, but uh, I'm always excited to see it on the pull list, and sometimes it feels like it's more than just monthly. This could be a sort of almost bi-weekly release, but get the mighty Thor. Uh, Thorette, Lady Thor, is interesting. And Jane Foster, uh, being uh, she still has cancer and is fighting that, and it's just uh, it's complex, it's interesting, it's 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 magical and it's fun and I love it, and I can't wait to see the new Thor movie. I hope there's some of this somehow infused into the the new Thor movie. But anyway, here we go. Now breaking into the top three comic books of the week. So here we go, top three. So coming in at number three from Image Comics is Hadrian's Complex number two. And this is from the team of, which I love this look. It's all, the first couple of pages are done in like looking at a, a computer display, very futuristic computer display, and the font is that way as well. This is Kyle Higgins and Alex Siegel on story. This is Rod Reese on art. And he has a beautiful, beautiful, very clean, polished, realistic art style. Even the coloring, even the skin tone. But this is a ultimately a science fiction murder mystery involving uh, this character who is a... He's kind of down on his luck. A private investigator who's hired on for this high money job. They're paying him way too much. And this, this job is way too personal. It's involving his... His ex-wife, the ex-wife's husband who was murdered. So there's issues uh, that they have there. There's definitely a, a, an interesting history that the two of them have. And our investigator, uh, Simon Moore, is also a pill popper. And in the end of the last issue, someone threw all his pills out. And they're for sort of like anxiety and to help calm his nerves. And it's a, like a sleeping pill-ish kind of thing. And he's definitely abusing it. And they threw that away. And there are forces in play here that want him to end this this murder mystery quickly. And he's like, why did you hire me to, to investigate this quickly? Because this is my ex-wife and she's on this space station. Because that's ultimately where the setting of this is sometime in the way future. Uh, I want to say like 2085. Yeah, exactly. 2085. And it's just, uh, here's the synapse. 2085, pill-popping investigator Simon Moore has been sent to survey ship Hadrian Walls to rubber stamp the accidental death of one of its crew, Edward Madigan. However, unbeknownst to the rest of the crew, this case has personal stakes, which I already told you, um, for Simon, his ex-wife. So yes, complex science fiction, murder mystery, set in space, done so beautifully well with this realistic art style. And there's a, a, a gallery of interesting characters here. You have like this uh, sort of Sulu-like character that is running... Uh, Hadrian's Wall, this ship, who seems to be very cryptic. It's one of those like where almost it seems like everyone killed uh, <laughs> her, her, his ex-wife's uh, husband. It just seems like they can, they've all done it. And I love this particular sequence where he has these data files on the wall. Like he's a little old school, and there is actually content here that you have to read. And sometimes when there's all this content to read i i do kind of roll my eyes where i go oh here we go it's like it's like actual reading and i don't pick up comics for that but he has these Antares interspace profiles and they are interesting in themselves in that they show the you know the height the weight the date of birth 
there's this ton of information on these little profiles and then he's kind of duct taped these notes to them kind of giving clues into who he thinks does it and you know oh this person seems to have a lot of dislike did he enough to kill him like it's kind of a very well done way to see kind of a glimpse into the mind of a private investigator or a detective and i really like that you really get a sense that it's done in an intelligent way and that there's research done here and and that the character in this is doing his research and laying it out in long form and you you definitely feel it, the pace is done well though it's moving fast enough to where it's not like oh this is just too much data and this is boring no it's paced so well and it's interesting and there's definitely emotions felt in all the faces and when he interviews his ex-wife here it is awkward it's heavy it's uh it's biting they're definitely not not uh, fans of each other <laughs> and her name is Annabelle and that sequence is just lovely and there's subtle changes in the faces here that really kind of tell you where this is all going in this conversation that's all I want to tell you because I don't want to spoil anymore I gotta leave that one alone because it's some great little twist here and fantastic little ending and I can't wait to read number four and this has definitely been on time and monthly but beautiful beautiful work from this co-writing team here check out Hadrian's wall it is great it's complex it is fun and it's only on number two and it's from image comics beautiful beautiful work and coming in at number two is from dark horse comics and this is hellboy and the bprd 1954 issue number two and this is from created by mike mignola but uh, you have uh, he's uh, left that to uh, the story from himself partially and chris roberson roberson and art by stephen or stephen green and colors by dave stewart who's a beautiful colorist fantastic just a top-notch veteran in coloring but Stephen Stephen Green or Stephen Green, I'm sorry, whichever way you pronounce it, is doing some fantastic work here. He's really, really captured the tone, the look, the feel of Hellboy, and it's and and Mike Mignola and Chris Robinson have, of course, they are absolutely deliver the right on tone of Hellboy that you want as to our sort of reluctant hero that is very minimal dialogue from him, and he's just kind of this curmudgeon, uh, you know, with Hellboy. He's always just bothered with everything. That's kind of his, his, that's his MO. That's who Hellboy is. And this is Hellboy fi fighting the Nazis. What else do you need, right? Done deal. Get it. Enough said. <laughs> but this also has the, maybe the, possibly the longest villain monologuing I've ever seen. I mean, it is detailed. He is just, this German Nazi um, colonel is giving every single detail in this plot and that is where the meat of this is. And it's kind of hilarious that just how long it drags on. I definitely feel like they did that on purpose in this insanely long dialoguing that the that your primary Colonel Nazi bad guy is laying out here. And then it ends very quickly because of he's just laid it all out. But the fighting scenes are fantastic in this. You have Nazis flying out of the scenes of the panels. I love that. He's done some great work with the spacing and the paneling and the and the and the actual pacing of the fights. And it is just Hellboy having fun. He's like surrounded at times. They Nazis have lasers. Mm, come on, they got laser guns. It's 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 laser rays. It's Nazis. It's Hellboy fighting. I mean, again, that that heavy heavy villain monologue in the in the center is absolutely memorable. I will always remember it and take it with me forever. It's just fun and hilarious. And his dialogue, they really capture Hellboy so perfectly well. It cannot be missed. You have to check this out. And I do believe with issue two here, it's done. Or it's going to start sort of another arc, maybe 1954 or 1955, number one. 
but get 53 get 54 they are just a ton of fun and i love uh, all of it and it's just so beautifully drawn get hellboy you will not be disappointed classic classic work here i'd love to have this one signed by by mike mignola and chris robertson it's just the covers iconic and classic hellboy with him tearing apart the nazi lab and nazis with laser guns it's just it's it's just great stuff but the greatest of stuff this week the number one coming in above all the others i tell you it was a an easy number one pick i love when that happens i didn't have to uh battle the titles as i do sometimes i lay them out and i which one's better than this one? Mm, is that one okay? And I make this tier, and again, glimpse into the process. But this was just like, set aside. Nope, that is number one, easy. And it is the art and cover winner this week is Batman number nine. This is gorgeous, gorgeous work. This is uh, written by Tom King. And this is the art by Mikhail Janin. Pencils and inks and colors by June Chung. As I said earlier, just a variety of color palettes here. The opening sequence is this messed up little origin sequence moment of Bane. And I like that they are kind of refreshing the Bane character. As, not really as to say what he's done in the past was horrible or anything, but I like that they're sort of refreshing him, giving a, a glimpse into his, his origin, which kind of makes sense with the movies and past uh, comics. It just sort of ties in, but it does make it a little bit different, but it shows him in this this like sewer drainage uh, area where he's he's locked into and, it, and they show the sort of time going by and the years going by it's messed up and you feel really bad for him and he's alone and it's it's just this this desolate and he's in desolation and he's eating rats and and these catfish and whatever he can get a hold of and it's just this messed up and he doesn't spend a lot of time there he packs a, bi a big big punch in story tom king does here in like the first two pages of this of this sort of bane origin and then as they flash to sort of current time, the Psycho Pirate, which has this weird whammy sort of mind control powers, uh, he, uh, he, Bane tells him, the Psycho Pirate, to tell him to tell me to be happy, to tell me that I can always stop. And it's like, what? Like, how is that going to, to uh, equate to him being the villain in this sort of new arc? But he's telling him, tell me to be brave. Tell me to be happy. Tell me I can always stop. So does that really make mean that Bane's going to be the bad guy here? Maybe not. I mean, Psycho Pirate is still on the loose and doing horrible things. Uh, like as the next sequence here with Gotham Girl, she's still, her mind is still twisted and she's still like super scared. And I love this little kind of warm sequence where Bruce is just trying to comfort her in one of the rooms in, in, in the Wayne Manor. And he's reflecting for a second, looking at a picture of his father and mother. And trying to help Gotham Grill here. And it's a very warm, heartwarming sequence. And I, I love that. It just changes gears from Bane's origin and this crazy sewer and him eating rats to Psycho Pirate's weird message and mind control over him to be happy and it can end at any time. And then this warm sequence with him, you know, trying to help Gotham Grill. And then the heart core of this of this story is uh, by the way there's uh, just before you get into that there's the beautiful two-page splash of batman standing at the gates of arkham and it's like i said this made it to my wallpaper at work on my dual monitor system and that doesn't happen very often folks uh the last time was a, a, a layout of flash and godspeed fighting but this is gorgeous it's beautiful and it's raining and there's lightning in the background and it's it's just one of those ah oh, you, you know jaw-dropping sort of beautiful 
epic landscaping moments in presented to you in widescreen. That is just, uh, it's you can't, you can't look away from it. I, I really want this in a poster. It's it's gorgeous. It's top notch. Hats off to Mikkel, Mikkel um, Janin. But then he, the core of this story, as I was just about to say before, is Batman actually at Arkham assembling his sort of like a suicide squad ultimately for a mission to maybe fight Bane or whoever or Psycho Pirate that he's going to need help and he's decided to recruit a bunch of inmates and I won't say who they are but there is some gorgeous paneling here that that lays out this gorgeous art he does some weird twisted stuff but Batman visiting each cell of each person is a great story part and it's not heavily dialogued it's just Batman recruiting and how is it going to keep these people in line? That's the big question for me. Um, there's a big reveal at the end as to who the person that is introduced, so I don't want to spoil it for you. But this just gorgeous art, this dark and and brooding and twisted tale of Batman. It's it's Batman on all eight cylinders here. It is absolutely what you want in a Batman series. I can't believe we're on number nine and it's bi-weekly and it has gone by so fast. And this this new arc because it just ended the sort of Monster Men series. And this is going to be the brand new arc with, I think, it's coming down to Batman and Psycho Pirate or Batman and Bane or Batman and Bane versus Psycho Pirate because of Psycho Pirate telling him to be good <laughs> and brave so and happy. <laughs> it's strange to tell, Bat to tell Bane to just be happy. Uh, but gorgeous art, great story, fantastic jumping on point, by the way, if you just want to start here because this is the building of the new arc and this significant villain, which we're not exactly sure, quite sure who it is, but, you know, Psycho Pirate more than likely at least, or is he by himself? We don't know, but great jumping on point, unique paneling, beautiful art, top-notch, easily the number one pick of the week for New Comic Book Day, October 19th. So there you go. Those are all my recommendations. That's all of them. Can't believe October 19th was a great week for comics. I mean, it was all just so good. Read them so quick and easy. But go, please, go to your local comic book shop. Tell them that Sunspots Comics, Chris, uh, from Sunspots Comics sent you and buy those comic books and support a lo local comic book shop immediately but buy them you will not be disappointed and if you have questions comments or you'd like your own personal comic book recommendation just email me directly chris at sunspotscomics.com and if I choose your email to be discussed on a podcast I'll send you a free comic book prize I've got a few things now so send in your your request send in your email and thanks again to the uh, spotlighting submission really really appreciate that that was very cool Sign up for our newsletter on sunspotscomics.com slash contact. And please tune in next week to Podcast 78, where there's some awesome stuff coming out next week. But only 13 comics, but uh, there's four brand new number ones, so potentially 17 comics I'll be reading and making my recommendations and picking my top picks and sharing them with you. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. And last and most important, if you would like to help me and help the podcast, just simply go to iTunes, give us a positive review and five stars. And that will mean a lot to me and to the podcast. I will personally thank you right here on a future podcast. As a matter of fact, I have one to, to just quickly shout out. It's uh, Ryan. Uh, you know who you are. Uh, you gave me a fantastic review on iTunes. Thank you so much, Ryan. I appreciate all the kind words. Uh, you know who, who you are. And you can see Ryan uh, on Twitter at uh, that uh, Ryan Hockey Guy. That's at Ryan Hockey Guy. So check out his uh, Twitter. Very, very nice of you. So thank you very much again, and please tune in next week for Podcast 78. And don't forget to be like water, my friend. <laughs> so I don't know why I went 
coming out of there. But yes, green uh, water. <laughs> See you later. Bye. <laughs>